Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. Over in Exodus, I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 3. And what I want to talk to you about today is choosing closeness in your life, spiritually speaking. That is developing a lifestyle of spiritual intimacy. Last week I started talking to you about dependency on the Holy Spirit. Uh, this morning I want to continue on in that, but uh, kind of divert into a side stream about uh, being developing a spiritual life of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. If, um, if you're going to be a radical believer, Nobody came to just play church today, did you? There isn't anybody that, came. that is. You came today because you're serious about God, serious about what the Lord's purpose is for your life. Um, yeah, you you need dependency. You can't do it on your own. We are dependent upon the Lord for everything. But the next step uh, in in that upward journey is not just being dependent upon the Lord, but developing this whole idea that we've been invited and called to intimacy with God. And that happens through the person of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of us. And uh, many settle for dependency. Many settle for, I've got a heavenly caretaker. He watches out for me. He protects me. He keeps me. But you know, the Lord wants more for him in your life than just to be somebody that takes care of you. He wants to be closer to you than a brother. He wants to be the one that not only do you have your inner thoughts, but he wants to be intermingled with every inner inner thought that you have, every turmoil you go through, every victory you go through. He wants to be right in the middle of that. That's why Jesus said, it's, I must go away. The disciples were just, they were heartbroken when he said, I'm going to leave you. And they were like, no, 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 you're establishing your kingdom. No, he says, no, no, you, you still haven't got, I've got to leave so that the comforter can come, the person of the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk to you about developing a spiritual lifestyle of intimacy. And over in in Exodus chapter 33, would you turn there? And I'm just going to start reading because we're going to run up against the clock here today pretty quickly. Exodus 33, verse 12. This is the whole portion of where God is meeting with Moses again. And he's not only, he's already established his covenant, his desire. He's already established with Moses that uh, the people that you're leading, the children of Israel, those that I have brought out from uh, under Pharaoh's bondage, they're going to be my people. My presence is going to be with them. I'm going to be with them from the beginning to the end. I'm going to drive out every enemy they have. But in this whole process of, of them just figuring out how to, how to follow the Lord and be, be a chosen people set apart for him, they kept resisting over and over again to the point that in this 33rd chapter, finally the Lord saying, Moses, I love you, I love them, but there's only so close I'm going to get to them because they're a stiff-necked people. And if I reveal all my glory to them when they have this, this, this tendency to want to step back from me and cling to the things of this world, he said, it's not going to end well. And paraphrase it, he said that my glory will, will destroy them. 
thank God that Jesus came and removed every partition of hindrance like that. Spiritually now, we have complete access to the throne of God. Coming in in a relational way with, with the Father. But in verse 12, I'm just going to start reading with that kind of backdrop. And so now, God, uh, then Moses said to the Lord. So the Lord said, can you come follow me? I'm going to bring you back up. Uh, Moses went into the tabernacle of the tent in the wilderness. The Spirit of God's Shekinah glory, His presence settled there. They saw it in a cloud. They recognized the Lord was there. Every person with their tents uh, uh, outside the, uh, the camp, they stood at the door and they watched as Moses went into the presence of the Lord. I was talking to Dan a week or two back, and he brought up a point that I saw here when I was reading this, that Moses went in alone, but Joshua, his, his, young, uh, his young protege, followed him, and he stood outside the tent waiting for Moses. Wow. How many want to do that? How many want to be, I'm, I'm going all the way with this thing? So Joshua's there, and in verse 12, it says that Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Verse 13, Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, Show me now your way, that I may know you and that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. Verse 14. And he said, this is God speaking back to Moses. Moses saying, Lord, you know what he said. He's saying, Lord, if you're not with me, I can't make it. How many feel like that in your life? It's the way all flesh should feel before the Lord. And so God said, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence, now this is Moses speaking, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please show me your glory. Then God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I'll be gracious to you whom I will be gracious, and I'll have compassion to whom I'll have compassion. Verse 20, and he said, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, Here is a place by me, and you'll stand on the rock. And when my glory passes by, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock, and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I'll take away my hand, and you'll see my back, but my face you'll not see. There's so much symbology here. There's so much here that it was taking place as Moses' life, but it was really, it was painting the reality of the day that we live in, being able to walk with the Lord, being in His presence. And He said, uh, the Lord said, here's a place by me. Do you know where the Lord wants you to be? Right by Him. You know how you're going to stay there? By standing on the rock. By standing on Jesus. And He said, you'll stand by the rock and it'll be while my glory passes by. You know what the Lord wants to have hover over your life and come over your life over and over again at all times, at all places, is His glory, is His presence, that tangible presence where you know that the Spirit of God is with me. Sometimes you feel it outwardly. Other times you just walk by faith and you don't don't feel anything, but yet you know I'm standing by faith. I'm not going to be moved after I've done all the stand. I'm just going to stand. But the Lord has created a place, a place by the Father. And so in the day that we live in, that place is attained and is actually the place that where he wants us to live. And it's attained by living up under um, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit being with your life, never leaving you, never forsaking you, standing on the rock. Hey, it's not that you come to church and we worship and we rejoice and we do baptisms and we do all these things and okay, then I go and I live my own life. No, you're standing on the rock. You never get off of the rock. This is just where we come and we have the celebration together that we're all people that live and that we stand on the rock. 
Now, I want you to turn over to 1 John because I want to break this down before I run out of time. Over in 1 John, there are four components of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And I want to bring it to you in a way where you could maybe have a way that you can compartmentalize it, if I can put it that way, where this week you can say, okay, God, I want to, I want to do a, uh, an intimacy check in my life. Where, where am I at in, these, in this area of living in an intimate, um, uh, close relationship with Jesus? Not just when I'm in church and in the house of the Lord, but when I'm in my own life. First John 1, verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. This is John, the beloved, speaking. Which we have looked upon and our hands have handled. He's talking about Jesus concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and we bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That's what we have seen and heard. We declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Four components of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. I, I actually, um, I, I love using the things that the world uses to promote their ideologies and their, you know, their, their, their emphasis of focusing on, the, focusing on the here and the now and all of that. I actually love using those uh, platforms and arenas to, to see what, um, what God is doing and, and bringing um, just such access. And so I, I watch a fair amount of YouTube preaching videos and Holy Ghost videos and all kinds of stuff that I find on there. But one of the things that I found that is, is I, I'm taking it as a real, it's a real plus and it's a real bonus, is you can go back and see old video footage of some of the great preachers from the early, you know, the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, somehow they're, uh, they, maybe not that far back, but whenever they first started taking the, the, the old films of them. And there's one person in particular, and I've mentioned her a couple of times here, but I love going back and watching the old Catherine Kuhlman video reel of the Crusades. She was a very unusual person. And one of the things that I think made her so much different is she wasn't just focused on the power of God. She was focused on the presence of God. And I think that's key for us today because we all know that we need, we need more power than we've ever had. I mean, we are living in a perverse generation. We're living where, man, if, you're, if you don't have uh, the Spirit of God just building you up in your most holy faith, it's, it's tough today. But this, it, it's not just about power and raw energy. It's about how close... How close does God want me to be with him? Have you ever been around somebody and maybe they started kind of hitting you a little bit because they thought you were you were a fanatic? <laughs> What's that mean? Just somebody who loves Jesus more than they do, you know. You were you were too much into this. I remember my parents, you know, it was Jesus people movement, I got saved, and it was crazy days back then and then. But I remember my mom and particularly my dad cautioning me, son, you don't want to get overboard in this. And I thought back then, I didn't know how to put it in words, but I thought, well, if this is God and this is real and this is heaven, how can you be over, overboard about that? The answer is you can't. You still have your feet grounded in this world, but your reality is grounded in the eternal world. That's the, that's the, that's the tension that comes there. So four components of intimacy. Verse 1, John began to lay them out. And he said, this is what was from, from the beginning, which we have heard. Um, 1 Kings 19.12, you can turn there. You don't need to turn there if you want, but most of you know the story. You can write it down and, and look at it later. Remember, the prophet was running from Jezebel, 
He finally ended up in a cave, and he's just dejected, and I'm alone, and nobody's nobody's left, and all of this stuff. And so the Lord began to reveal some things to him. First, there was, I think, I don't know the order, but there was an earthquake, and there was a great wind, and there was a fire, and it was shaking the mountain. And I believe it was the last one, there was a fire that was just literally burning up the rocks and stuff. And then it says there was a still, small voice. And when he heard that, he wrapped himself in his mantle, and he went outside the cave. What John is speaking about here, he said, those things which were from the beginning which we have heard, I believe this is, this is the way, ways of the Holy Spirit where he's speaking to you in that inner voice, the still small voice. The direct translation means a, 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 whisper, a delicate whispering voice. You know, God can be as loud as you need. Heaven's a loud place, by the way. Just go to Revelation, look at it. Whenever it says it's the sound of many waters, it's the sounds of multitude of people beyond multitudes without uh, the ability. It's going to be a very loud place. Now, your ears aren't like your ears now. You'll be, able to, you'll be able to take the volume of that. But God's from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum. And a lot of times as Christians in developing this lifestyle of intimacy is developing that ability, that sensitivity is probably the better way to put it, that sensitivity to know when God is speaking quietly to you when he's speaking to the inner man, when he's speaking to the inner heart, and, and that delicate whispering voice is speaking to you. Here's the, I, I think all of you hear it more than you give yourself credit to. It's just sometimes when we live in a world that speaks with such volume, you know, you get your ears, your inner ear gets used to it. If it's not loud, if it's not in your face, you kind of almost discount it. But at times, the Holy Spirit comes, and he's, he's like a dove, right? He just wants to come, land on your shoulder, just wants to be uh, uh, close to you. And developing that here where you recognize, oh, that, that's the voice of God. I can hear him without him having to shout at me. That's developing that. That's what John was speaking about here. Our ears have heard him. How do you develop that? By listening. How do you develop that? that ability to hear soft sound by unplugging yourself from loud sound. (laughs) By getting in a place of quietness. And I love prayer. We're called to pray without ceasing and all that. But sometimes you just need to be quiet before the Lord and, and listen. And you'll be amazed, the Spirit of God, that's developing intimacy in your life. He wants to speak to you. And, and very much so, He wants to speak heart to heart and face to face. The second one that John's talking about is that uh, in verse 1, and he said, we have seen with our eyes. The emphasis there added on our is my. We have seen with our eyes. That is, it, this, this whole thing about developing intimacy with the Holy Spirit isn't where you take you know, the, the office of the prophet or those five, five main offices over in Ephesians 4, and they're going to go in and get from God what I need to hear, and they're going to come show me and teach me and tell me. And that, that process is real and we all need it. That's how the church is equipped. That's how the church is released into to do the work of the ministry. It harkens back to what was happening, what we read in Exodus. Moses would go up in the mountain. He would get the tablets. He would get the revelation of the Lord. Then he would bring it down. But listen, there, we've been called to a lifestyle of spiritual intimacy. We don't need a Moses to go up for us. You don't need me to go up for you. Yeah, I'll get the word. I'll preach it. I'll teach it. But the Lord wants you to come in. He wants you to come to a place to where you're seeing with your own eyes what the Lord is wanting to show you. Because you have a walk that's different than my walk. We each have an individual journey. And I'm going to tell you, you need to be uh, walking that journey as closely as you can, seeing the Lord open the path up before you one step at a time. The Bible talks about that He will open doors that no man can open and He will close doors that no man can shut. Having an intimate relationship with Holy Spirit where you can see clearly will let you know whether the door is open or the door is shut. 
The one really tricky part is that you've got multiple doors. <laughs> Have you ever had the multiple shoes, the choice uh, door thing, uh, the game show kind of thing? Well, that's where you really need the, the sensitivity in your eyes. It's, yeah, there can be a prophetic word. Somebody can give you some insight and counsel and all that kind of thing. But it's not going to be up to them to make the decision. It's going to be up to you. You need to see with your eyes, this is where the Lord is leading me. This is where uh, God is guiding me. This is what the Lord has for my life. And so... Uh, in Luke chapter 21, it says we are to look up for our redemption draws nigh. There's this process of looking up. Pastor, how do I see what the Lord wants me to see? Well, first, stop looking at just all the confusion and stuff that's around you. Start looking into the Word. But then look up. That is, get your vision to where you're looking and you're seeking and you're actually looking for His leading you with insight and understanding how you should live your life and how you should... Um, conduct your life, and how you should make decisions. He wants you to see this. John said from the beginning, we heard him, and then he said, and we have seen with our eyes which we looked upon. This third one, the developing a sensitivity with the Holy Spirit, is is very unusual. In verse 1 it says, and our hands have handled. Now John was part of the original 12, right? They lived for three and a half years around him. Uh, Jesus was very close to his disciples. There was the inner core, the inner circle, then there was the 12 that went outside of that, and then there was the uh, 120, and it just kept multiplying, and finally there were multitudes. And, and the whole process was is that everybody could have access to Jesus. It's just the further you got out, the more difficult it came to get close. So there was the woman that had been bleeding for many years. And what happened within her? She had a revelation. She's heard something and saw something. And she said, if I can just get up and touch the hem of his garden, if I can somehow get through all this crowd, and if I can get close to where I've got my hands on him, I know I'll be healed. And the, story, and the testimony was she finally made her way in. She finally touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And the Bible says that virtue, that is power, energy, went out of Jesus' very being, and she was healed. It basically collapsed her at that point. And Jesus stopped his disciples, stopped the crowd, and he said, who touched me? If you remember the context there, they were like incredulous at what he said. They said, Jesus, what do you mean who touched you? We're surrounded by a moment. There's people bumping into you. There's all kinds of stuff going on. It's different than just a casual proximity touch. Because we just bent. No, this one was, I'm going to get in and I'm going to lay my hands on him. That's the difference. That's the intimacy part. You're going to have to come to a point where you're like, Lord, I'm going to lay my hands on you. I don't care how many altar calls I've got to go to. I don't care how many times I have to keep coming and pressing in. I don't care how many times, Lord, you're going to find me. I'm going to be seeking you out. Many years ago, when I was in high school. I was in ninth or tenth grade, and I can't remember. It's the stage where um, uh, you're really wanting to fit in. I don't know that I've ever grown out of it yet, but that time I was really, uh, it meant a lot to me. So I grew up in uh, redneck northern Idaho, and all the young guys and looked the same. That is, we had plaid red Woolworth shirts, Woolrich shirts, Lee boot-cut jeans, real short crop haircuts, and you didn't want to stick out from the crowd. You wanted to blend in. I know your school was different, but that's just where mine was. There was no confusion about sexes back then. And a new kid came to school. And he wasn't dressed that way. He kind of stood out. And more than that, he walked, he had a cane. He had a white cane with a red tip on it. I can say it was the first interaction I'd ever had with a blind person. And it was, I mean, he'd just been there a day or two, and we had a high school assembly. So we all gathered in the gymnasium, 
And somehow I wasn't going to, I didn't get, I didn't get in with the group that I usually associated with. And I was a couple uh, benches down, one bench up from the main floor. And there was a spot in front of me that was open. I hadn't thought about it. And here came this young man and he sat down right in front of me, which was all good. They were cheering, they were hauling, they were doing all the things. And somehow in there, it was like, you know, uh, you know, greet your name. It wasn't high five. I didn't even know they had high five back then. I don't know. But it was somehow we were having interaction with one another. And this young man turned to me and he said, hi, my name is, what's yours? I said, my name's Gary. And he said, man, Gary, I'm, I'm really glad we just moved here and we kind of went through that thing. And he said, I'm blind. And I said, well, yeah, I, I kind of I gathered that. I, I didn't even know how to respond to that. I didn't know whether I should say, I'm sorry or, or what, but I just, I was, I was kind of stunned. And because of that, rather than being secluded in my natural group, I was kind of down front, which was uncomfortable for me. He said, Gary, this is how I see. He said, you're one of the first guys, and we had a little conversation. He said, you're one of the first guys that have talked to me. And he said, can I, can I find out what you look like? I'm like, sure. I mean, what do you, do you want me to tell you what I look like? And I color my hair and all that. And this is where it became extremely, extremely awkward. What, you've been around some blind people? What, you, you weren't there. I'm kind of leaning in close, and he said, can I touch your face? And I'm like, dude, you're in northern Idaho. And you're the wrong gender to be touching my face. I'm just telling you that right now. And before I can even answer, he reaches out, he lays his hand, and he reaches his hands out like that. And there in front of hundreds of kids, he starts rubbing his hands over my face. Uh-huh. I'll never forget it. There wasn't anything weird or awkward in that gender kind of thing. It wasn't that at all. But two things stuck out to me. Number one, how foreign feeling somebody touched my face to know what I looked like really felt. No one had touched me like that before. Not even my mama or my grandma. They would put big wet kisses on me, but not that. And then to have him describe what he was feeling about my face. Did that for you know, a moment or two. And then he said, oh, I know what you look like now. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And by that, you, yeah. Big nose, big ears, whatever. <laughs> Our hands have handled. Intimacy is this. Not only does the Lord want to touch you, He wants you to touch Him. Come on, somebody. He wants you to reach out and say, Jesus, I want to know more what you look like, and I want to be able to know that by touching you. So you can be cool, and you can sit in the back, or you can sit in the side, or you can just let others get into all that supernatural stuff, and you're just whatever. But at some point in your life, you're going to come, and you're going to want to know more what the Lord looks like. And in that process, there's only one way for that to happen. John said, this is what I told you from the beginning. This is what happened. We heard it, we saw Him, and our hands have handled Him concerning the Word of life. We laid hands on Him. And so, real quick, you remember at the end, Jesus was crucified, He was in the grave, He came out of the grave, He revealed Himself to His disciples, everybody was freaking out they were they were they were couldn't believe it but they were saying my goodness jesus is back except for one guy you would probably know him by doubting thomas right the reason he's called doubting thomas is because he was the guy that said unless i see him and unless i touch him and unless i see with my own eyes i'm not going to believe that he rose from the grave i don't care what you say mary i don't care peter you're always running the mouth off somewhere 
John, yeah, you're, you're so in love with Jesus. Who knows what's going on with you? I'm not going to believe it unless I see it. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up in the room. Hey, Thomas. Thomas is me. And this is what Jesus said. Come here, Thomas. Put your fingers right here. You take your fingers, Thomas, and you touch me right here. And you touch me right here. You know what happened when Thomas did that? He was instantaneously delivered of all doubt. The doubt evaporated. He immediately said, with just a minor, very quick touch, he said, my Lord and my God, he became the most radical disciple. And Jesus said, Thomas, because you touched me, you believe. Because you've seen it, you believe. But there are those that are going to believe in me that haven't touched me, that haven't seen me, and their faith is greater than yours. My whole proposition to you this morning is, are you willing to get close enough where you feel the touch of the Master, where you sense His presence, not only in your life, but you're the one saying, God, I want to come and touch you. I want us to stand this morning. Lord, I'm going to take the first step towards you. I believe it's James that says, you draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. He already reached out to you. You couldn't come unless you were drawn by the Holy Spirit. He's already done that. Now the shoe is on the other foot, so to speak. You need to take a step towards him. Say, Lord, I need to be closer. I want to be intimate with you, Holy Spirit. I want to have your touch upon my life. Lord, I don't want to live another day, another hour, another moment without sensing that your presence is abiding upon my life. How many want to take one step closer? Who's going to be the first to come forward? This isn't an altar call where I'm laying hands on you. This is an altar call where we're just going to come. We're saying, Jesus, I want to come close to you. Who's going to be first? Come on. Somebody. I just want to take a step closer to Jesus. Come on. I just want to be the one that says, Lord, this isn't about who's around. This isn't about what's going on in my life outside of here. Lord, right now, I just want to be the one that says, Jesus, I'm coming closer to you. Holy Spirit, I want to be more intimate with you. I need you in my life, but Lord, I want to be involved in what you're involved in. Come on, there's more. Come on down. Mike, could you jump on the keyboard real quick? And we're just going to take one last moment or two here and finish that out. Who else is coming? This is a good altar call to respond to, by the way. Come on. Ha <laughs> ha. I went to Reading this week and I talked to a couple of my preacher friends and what I was doing, where I was going. And one of them said, Gary, you need to answer every altar call that they give. <laughs> Sometimes it's good to just respond whenever the Holy Spirit is saying, would you come? Would you come? This one, I want, this one I'm going to ask you to do is shut your eyes and lift your hands. And it's not like reaching out to receive. This is going to be different. It's like reaching out for the lifeline. You're off the dock and you're in the water. and The lifeguard is there and he's reaching down. I want you to reach out to him like that. God, I'm here and I want to lay hold of you. I want my hands to handle you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that there will be a release of your presence in such a way that when we leave this service today, that presence will go with us. Lord, this isn't about others. This isn't about getting close to the body of Christ. We love them. We value that. There's, that's another message. Lord, today, this is about drawing near to you. Jesus, I don't want to live another day feeling like I'm by myself. 
Somebody right now has been dealing with that. It's not that you've doubted God or you've doubted faith. You know you're a Christian, but man, sometimes it just feels like you're you're just kind of treading water and you're all on your own. Whoever that is, just say, Lord, I've got to lay hold of you, God. I gotta I wanna I wanna get a hold of you, Jesus, and I don't ever want to let go. I need that presence, Holy Spirit, to be so real in my life. I've been battling, it feels like I've been on my own, God. Come up alongside me as the paraclete, the comforter, the one who comes alongside. Just receive that in Jesus' name. Somebody here has been dealing with some things that you just haven't had the victory over. Almost an addictive type nature things. And it just like you, you had the victory and then you fall back in a couple times. Then you kind of go through that whole process of defeat and coming back in. The Lord just says, listen, I want to draw you up so near to me that, that you're never going to doubt it again. That I'm, I'm with you. I rebuke that liar that comes and says, oh, you're not good enough. There's a few people here, you've been hurt so bad in your life by somebody that said they loved you. It's hard for you to trust. It's hard for you to get close. It's hard for you to be intimate. I pray right now that you be set free and healed by the name of Jesus. And it starts with the Father coming through the Son, ushered in by the Spirit of God. Set him free in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Just begin to worship worship Him right now. Just begin to exalt Him and, and praise Him and worship Him. That's the love language of heaven, right? It's praise and it's worship. It's just surrendering all that you are and have. Lord Jesus, with the fruit of my lips, with my own free will, I release my tongue, O God, to give praise and glory to you. I release my tongue, O God, to say, I'm not afraid to get close to you, Jesus. I release my tongue, O God, to say, Lord, I need more of you now in my life than I've ever needed of you in my life before, God. I want to walk hand in hand with you. I don't want to go one step ahead or one step behind. I want to be right alongside of you, Lord. And I receive that ministry touch of Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Handor Romansi. Thank you, Lord. It's one thing to step forward whenever there's somebody giving you an encouragement when there's a preacher saying, now's the time to come. This is when we're, this is how, how you're going to go the next level to that. The next time you sense that on the inside of you where the Spirit of God is kind of tugging on you, that's when I want you to take the step forward and go to your prayer room and say, here I am, Lord. That's the time when I want you to excuse yourself from maybe the surroundings. Yeah, if you're at work, you're working and all that, but if, if whatever, just say, wait a second, I'm going to, instead of watching the TV show tonight, I'm going to go and I'm going to spend some time with the Lord. I'm going to go spend some time just saying, crying out upon His name. Come on, some of you have been feeling that and you, you haven't known what to do. This is what to do. The next time you feel it, it's like Eli told Samuel, the next time you hear that voice, Eli, this is what you do. You say, here I am, Lord. Ha -ha. So that's what I'm going to tell you to do. Just say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Jesus. I, I push the pause button and everything else in my life. Here I am. Come and sup with me. Come, Lord, face to face. Come one-on-one, -on -one, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody's got to make a big decision and real quick, maybe in the next few days or the next, you know, few weeks or whatever. Who's got a big major decision you're looking at? You've got to, you've got to make some kind of decision. Is there anybody here? Wave at me if that's you. Okay, you. There's another one. There's another one. Anybody else?
I felt just a prompting. Yes, I see it. I felt just a prompting. Now, Lord, I pray for those that are in the valley of decision right now. I'm just going to tell you, the Spirit of God's going to draw real close to you, and He's just going to give you, He's going to begin to give you um, uh, what decision you need to make. He's going to make it clear to you. He's going to give you an understanding. This is what you need to do. Yes, here, no, here, whatever, however that works out. But you're going to have a peace in your heart. That's how you're going to know. He's going to bring a peace. And that peace only comes by staying close. Staying close. If you've got to make that big decision, now's the time to draw near. Nearer than what you've been in the past few months. Near, Lord, I need to hear. I need to see. I need to understand. So, Lord, I release that upon the people in Jesus' name. Ha, ha.